Welcome to the inaugural First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. We are on the third message in our Courageous Faith Summer Sermon Series, focusing on the Book of Acts and the courage it takes to be a follower of Jesus, using the example of the early church and their bold, courageous actions of faith. Often, we like neat, clean rules and regulations about ways of doing things, but often ministry is messy and looks very much like we think it couldn't or shouldn't. Peter learns this as he relies on the Holy Spirit who guides him in ministry that looks nothing like he previously imagined. In this message of the week from June 6th, Pastor Jen Tyler highlights this and shares Peter's story from Acts chapter 11. Here is the First Church message of the week. excited to be here with you all and sharing again tonight about courageous faith. And so as I move into our time of the message, I want to invite you to pray with me. Lord God, as we prepare to hear your word this night, might you open our ears that we might hear you more clearly, our eyes that we might see you more clearly, and our hearts that we might love you more deeply, as you rid us from any and all distractions, so that all that we see and hear and know and feel and speak are of you. Amen. So tonight we are talking a bit about what we're continuing in our series on the book of Acts, our series titled Courageous Faith. There are still lots of these little yellow sheets lying around. If you haven't picked one up, I want to invite you to grab one. It's just a quick reading plan. We are reading through the book of Acts together as a church. And so we're doing four chapters a week. And then the following Sunday, I will be choosing one of those texts. It's really hard, I have to admit, to choose just one of the texts to preach on. Uh, But we are going to then be discussing one of those texts in worship. So hopefully you've read the text that we're going to talk about today, a text that I've been mulling over quite a bit, because as I read it, I kept thinking about what it means to be an outsider about what it might look or feel like to have those lines that tell us who is in and who is out, right? Most of us, I think, have probably been on both sides of that line, and we can relate to how it feels. And so I've been thinking about that because in the story that I want to read in a moment here, those lines were really clear about who was in and who was out. And in the ministry of Peter and of Paul, Well, in this passage, we are reminded that until that moment, we had always been told that the Jewish people were the only ones in, in the kingdom of God, and everyone else was out. But then these rules kind of fell away in a complicated sort of way that isn't really that complicated, if that makes sense. Now, as we unpack this a little, I think it's important to name that this idea of being in and out, it isn't new, right? A lot of scripture commits itself to rules about who should be a part of the kingdom of God, who belongs, who's a part of the, of the uh, kingdom of Israel. In the New Testament, it even talks about who should be a follower of Jesus. And one of the things, the more I read these guidelines the more I realize that my favorite guideline when it comes to those clear-cut black and white rules, we all love a little black and white in our lives, don't we? Because they sure make me comfortable and they make me feel really good. But is everything in our lives really black and white? I see lots of heads shaking, right? So my favorite rule is the reminder, and I'm sorry in advance, parents, but rules are meant to be broken, aren't they? Right? Or to put it another way, there's always an exception to the rule. 
Now, not all rules. Some rules are never meant to be broken, so your parents can use that too if you're looking for an out, right? Some rules we know, like the Ten Commandments, thou shall not kill is pretty clear cut, right? We're not looking to break all the rules just to make ourselves feel a little better when there are things that we want to do and know we shouldn't. But sometimes a shift in our understandings of the rules we've been given is necessary. When we change rules or our understanding, it allows us to correct mistakes of the past so that we don't continue to make those same mistakes in the future. It's a shift that's necessary because it helps us to draw closer to God as we listen to the voices of even people around us because we have the opportunity to teach each other and to have new ways of thinking and being together. Now, this is true in our world today, and it was true in the first century in this story that I want to read for you. So I'm going to read for you from the book of Acts. I'm going to read chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. We're going to have the words on the screen in front of us. I'll invite you to follow along as I read. It says, Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them, step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, by no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time, the voice answered from heaven, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened to me three times. Then everything was pulled up again to heaven. And at that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The spirit told me to go with them and to not make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house, saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I begin to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced and they praised God saying, then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Here ends our scripture reading. 
Now this passage opens with a bit of a recap of a story we've talked about before about Peter eating of the unclean meat and realizing that that's okay. And this is the follow-up story when he has to go back to his people and reconcile with them when they want to know, what have you just done? Or more specifically, when they demand an explanation, we're told in verse 3, they say, why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Now, Peter had an explanation for them, but you hear how that must have felt, right? Maybe some of us have felt like that person before, when we know that we're doing the right thing, but maybe our community around us is struggling a little Peter gives them an explanation, a detailed description about how and why he knew that these steps were what God wanted. His community was there to keep him accountable because it would be really easy sometimes to say, well, this is what I want. Surely God wants it too. But Peter didn't want that. He wanted to be faithful. And frankly, The faithful thing for him in this story was not the easy thing. God asked him to take a risk, to move beyond what he knew to be safe and comfortable. More than that, God wanted him to think outside that nice little box. We all have the little boxes of comfort zones, don't we? They don't look the same for any two people, but we don't always like to get outside of them except on our own terms. But here, God says to Peter, no, no, let's step outside that box. Let's think creatively about bold ways to welcome others, even if doing so in this case meant he had to boldly, intentionally break the laws that he had always been taught were never to be broken. In other words, God was telling Peter that the very things that he thought he knew, that scripture itself had always taught him, even those things, it said, could change. Those things were no longer true. And the very same people who had always been deemed outsider throughout the history of Israel were suddenly expected to be included. Partly he knows that this is something that can happen Because God is reminding him in this moment that through Jesus' life and death and resurrection, everything truly has changed. Jesus' radical life-changing love meant that there's no in and out anymore. That we are all truly welcome. I think for many of us, this is perhaps hard to imagine how life-changing this new perspective must have been. But in case there's any doubt that the shift in thinking was not only good, but possible despite centuries of teaching, we are told that this vision that helped him change its mind, it happened not just once or twice even, but three times. Three times, we are told, Peter had a vision And three times he was told, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. Three times until everything he went, he had seen, then went away. And too much to be a coincidence, Peter then went out and 
did exactly as he was told. He met these people that were supposed to be outsiders, that his community, when he got back to them, shamed him for being with. He even shared a meal with them. This is a story of radical change and hospitality in which we are reminded once again that these changes didn't really take time. Does anybody else, when it comes to big changes, we need a little time to process them, right? When we think about change, most people I know don't love change. Um, or if you do, maybe you're like me. I admit I love change and trying new things as long as it's on my own terms, right? So if God came to me in a vision and said, hey, go do all these things that sound exciting and fun, I'm all in. But when God comes to me and says, hey, go do all these things that you hate and are going to make you really uncomfortable and you'll be exhausted at the end of the day and then your community will wonder what you're doing, does that sound fun to anybody? Because that's where Peter is in this story. Peter is without this time to discern. He immediately jumps into living into this vision that God gives him. And you know what I love the most about the way this happens? Is not that he did exactly he was told, as he was told, although that is inspiring. It isn't even that he overcame his fear and his uncertainty about breaking those rule-following sensibilities that he had. But what I love most about the way this happened is that even though Peter was uncertain and hesitant and a little bit afraid, he quickly learned there actually was no reason for him to have been. Have you ever done something that you're really afraid of and then the second you finish it, you think, well, that was fun, we should do that again, right? In the moment that Peter got to where he was going to speak to these so-called outsiders, Peter realized it was all going to be okay. We are told that the Holy Spirit not only led him to that place, but then once he got there, the Holy Spirit took over for Peter, gave him the words to say, made sure he knew where to go, as if to remind Peter and maybe us that we're really just the messengers. God's already done the hard work for us. In fact, in verses 15 and 16 of this passage, I want to read again as Peter recounts, as he says, as I begin to speak, as I began to speak, excuse me, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon them just as it had them, interrupting them, reminding them of the gift of the Spirit that gives us the words that we need in the moments we don't realize we need them. Anybody ever had that happen when you walk into a situation and you wonder and you think, what am I possibly going to say? I don't have words for this. Maybe it's a moment of great joy. You're celebrating a birth or a wedding or some other wonderful celebration, and you think, there are no words to describe my joy. Or maybe it's the opposite spectrum, and it's a moment of grief. And you're going to meet with someone who just lost their beloved loved ones, and there are no words in these moments like that. And then maybe 
you sit in silence and that's the only message they need. Or maybe they come back to you later and say, wow, you know, those words you spoke to me meant the world to me. And you think, I don't even know what I said. That, friends, is the Holy Spirit taking over for us, caring for us, ensuring that our words and our actions and our presence can be a gift to others if we first trust in God who leads us to that place. And when we do that, we are better able to care for one another and to reach more people to invite them to be cared for as a part of our community. And in theory, that's something we all want, right? We all want to be able to reach new people and to welcome everyone into this community and this gift of faith that we treasure. I hope so. When I read this passage from Acts, you know what I realize? Not just that Peter was bold and a great evangelist, but also that he was flexible and willing to move beyond what he thought he knew and what made him comfortable. Because young or old or somewhere in between, he seemed to know and understand that the best way to make disciples of Jesus Christ was not by simply inviting people and waiting for them to come to him, but it was to trust in that voice of God who said to him, Go forth, go out into the world, meet people where they are, and stop putting labels on people. In or out or clean or unclean, God said, do away with that. Jesus came for each and every one of us. Each and every one of us were made in the image of God. Who are you to call that unclean? So let go of our prejudices, of our rules, of our expectations, and accept the people you meet as they are, where they are. And then let the Holy Spirit do the rest. In this story, she did, the Holy Spirit did exactly that. Without requiring any kind of physical change, the argument I remind us here was about circumcision, right? These, they aren't circumcised. They can't be one of us. And Peter said, you know, God agrees. They are welcome just as they are. And the Holy Spirit fell upon them to give them new life just as they are. And just like that, those outsiders, the Gentiles, who were always the scary others that you don't want to let inside or get too close, just like that, they lost that label and were welcomed to be a part of this amazing life and faith in Jesus. They were welcome and sought out even so that they could be a part of who we are. In fact, many of us probably are descendants of some of those very first Gentiles. Many of us wouldn't be here if Peter hadn't been so bold and courageous in his faith as to go to people unlike himself and to welcome them. And so it was because Peter was willing to move beyond his own comfort zone, beyond those places of certainty and assurance and his own rules that back him up. Well, because of all of that, he was able to move into unknown territory with unknown people to meet people where they are, to go into their homes to eat their unclean food that he realized actually wasn't so scary. Do you ever try something new that you thought, this is going to be awful, but I'm going to be brave. And then you're like, that's delicious. 
Peter had those realizations over and over and over again in this passage because he was willing to be uncomfortable and to realize that his own desires were not the same as God's desires as hard as it is sometimes for us to believe them. In fact, I would argue that the discomfort and the rule-breaking and this mind-shifting experience were the things that set that change into motion that helped those outsiders to become insiders. And it makes me wonder how we here today might be called upon by God to live into our part of our courageous faith. How might God be inviting us to welcome folks that we might have otherwise deemed as outsiders. Now, we don't usually use those kinds of labels of insiders and outsiders, and Gentiles don't really mean much to us these days, but we all have some labels in our mind, maybe, of people that we, you know, we could use the easy examples. I love making people uncomfortable in church a little and naming the obvious ones like Republicans and Democrats. Don't you hate it when I do politics? But we all have people that are the other to us, don't we? And what would our lives look like? How would they be different if we paused for a moment and instead of seeing each other as other, we realized that they are made perfectly in the image of God and God loves them as they are. Now, that doesn't mean we're not on a journey, right, to be better. Uh, Just last week, I confessed to you that after the morning service, somebody came out and said, you said this in your sermon. Is that true? And I thought, oh, I don't know. I thought so. And it turns out I was wrong and fixed it by the evening service. Now, it wasn't anything that was a big deal, but as people of faith, we are called to be in community that's accountable and that can be corrected and that can better love one another as a result. These things are not easy. They require us to be genuinely humble, to give up what feels safe or good or comfortable. But when we do that, and when we let all the labels that accompany it fall off, how much more fully can we live into the kingdom of God, not that we desire for us, but that God desires for us? Friends, my hope and my prayer this day is that we would take more time to listen to those neighbors around us who feel excluded or like they haven't been listened to, who are longing to be valued and included and heard and wanted. My hope and my prayer is that this example for us would be a reminder of the radical inclusion of Jesus who, as we prepare to celebrate communion, reminds us that all, each and every one of us, no matter who you are, where you're from, what you've done or not done, we are all welcome in this place. And my hope and prayer is that this day and every day we would find ways to live into the fullness of that gift, not just for our own sake, but for the sake of the community around us. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, we give thanks for the ways that you continue to invite us anew to be led by your spirit, to stop allowing the things of this world to hinder us, and to instead embrace the fullness of your gifts and the ways that you invite us to love our neighbors as you have first loved us. Help us, God, to be faithful to you in this and every day. In the name of Jesus Christ, your son. 
Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information on our church calendar, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.